0: the question is, what is expiation? Well, if you remember last week, we talked about propitiation. Then, and because expiation and propitiation aren't words that we use every day, their slight differences can be confusing. We want to talk about that today. Additionally, the concept of wrath and sin, which are attached to them, ruffle the feathers of even the most ardent Christian scholar. And so when expiation and propitiation are studied biblically, we become faced with the wrath of God and the despair of our sin. And because of this, we can get stuck in viewing God as an angry, vengeful man waiting around the corner to ambush us. However, the truth of the matter is that expiation and propitiation actually reveal the very gracious and merciful heart of God through the atoning work of Christ. So, you know, as I'm mentioning... We, these words can be very confusing, but they don't have to be. Propitiation simply means, as we'll see today, it means the idea of the wrath of God being satisfied in the person and work of Christ. Expiation has to do with our sin being removed in the sight of God as far as the east is to the west. You know, Christ's death on the cross both paid for the debt of our sin and reconciled us to God by satisfying God's wrath, as I explained, that's propitiation. And yet we also can say Jesus was both the expiation for our sin and the propitiation for God's anger. His death on the cross supplied the necessary sacrifice to bring us from enemies to children of God, as we see in Galatians 4, 3-7. In Romans 5, 6 through 11, it says, For while we were still helpless, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for the good man, someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of a son, much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only this, but we also exult in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we, now, uh, we have now received reconciliation. You see, the atonement of Christ, we need to understand, was not necessary we, meaning that God could very well have left us in our sin and thrown us into a pit of hell on Judgment Day with the fallen angels that rebelled, as we see in Second Peter two four, leaving us fully separated from the Lord for all eternity. And yet God, in His great love for us, made the atoning work of Christ necessary for salvation, as we see in Ephesians two four through ten. By that, we, I mean that Jesus offered himself as a sacrifice for us so we could come to know, we could come to love, and we could be fully satisfied in God alone through Christ. So without the atoning work of Christ, we would have no hope in this life, no ultimate satisfaction, and no reason to live out the works of God prepared, before, prepared for us before the foundation of the world. R.C. Sproul, in his book, The Truth of the Cross, explains that the importance of this doctrine this way. Therefore, Christ's supreme achievement on the cross is that he has placated the wrath of God, which would burn against us were we not covered by the sacrifice of Christ. So, if somebody argues against placation of, or the idea of Christ satisfying the wrath of God, be alert, because the gospel is at stake. This is about the essence of salvation, that as people who are covered by the atonement, we are redeemed from the supreme danger to which any person is exposed. It is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of a holy God who is wrathful, but there is no wrath for those whose sins have been paid. This is what salvation is all about. If then we have been saved by God's grace alone through the atoning work of Christ, expiation and propitiation are important to the Christian faith because our salvation, our very life and satisfaction depend on it. We have no hope apart from salvation through Christ alone. Now, we'll never be able to uh, simply explain these concepts to others without having a firm understanding of the gospel. If we do not see ourselves as sinners lost under the wrath of God in desperate need of a Savior, then we will also not see the great depths of the grace and the mercy that God has had on us in our sin. Therefore, if you're looking for ways to help others understand expiation and propitiation, commit yourself to understand the atoning work of Christ and how it daily applies to your life. Expiation and propitiation will only ever make sense if we see ourselves as sinners who once were under the wrath of God, but through the death and resurrection of Christ have been saved today, tomorrow, and throughout eternity, as we see in 1 Corinthians 15:1 through 4. Hebrews 2:14 through 17 says this. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. For surely it is not angel that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. Therefore he had to be made like his brothers in every respect, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. Titus 3, 4-7 says this, When the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. You know, as we're we're talking about this, we are remembering this month the, the person and work of the Lord Jesus. And this is absolutely important to understand because a few years ago what we saw was uh, there was a man named Steve Chalk and he was a member of what was called the Emerging Church. And that discussion, it centered on the idea of what it means to be a disciple of Christ. That was a good thing. But what quickly became evident in the early 2000s was is that this movement wanted to only focus on what it meant to be a disciple, but did so apart from the word of God. One example of this is in in Steve Chalk, who's a pastor in the UK. He said that the idea of propitiation is cosmic child abuse. But let me talk about this for just a minute. Because without Jesus paying the penalty in our place and for our sin and satisfying the wrath of God forever, when he said in John 19.30, it is finished, there would be no way for any sinner to have the forgiveness of sin if Jesus did not appease or satisfy the wrath of God in our place and for our sin. And furthermore, that idea by Steve Chalk advanced, it undermines the very notion of the reason why Jesus came in the incarnation. That is, Jesus came under the sentence of death, which undercuts the very reason why we celebrate around this time of year we're remembering the person and the work of Christ. And not only that, but we need to be so clear about this. When we when when somebody makes a claim like this, we need to go to 1 Corinthians 15 and ask a question. Paul says here that the death and resurrection of Christ and the things that he discusses here are of first importance. They, he says, he uses the word by which we stand in, meaning that These are the truths, these are the cardinal truths of the Christian faith. Meaning that if you don't believe these very essence, these very essentials of the Christian faith, you can't be recognized as a Christian. They are of first importance. We we call this uh, the first order of theology. It's a gospel doctrine. If you deny a gospel doctrine like the, the the like we're talking about propitiation and expiation and and some of the other things that we're going to talk about this month you cannot even be recognized as a christian that's because paul says that we must believe that jesus died and rose on the cross and and in the resurrection and rose from the dead in romans 10 9 through 17 and we're to believe those things and we're to conf- Believe those things, confess those things with our mouth and believe those things in our heart, he says there. And he says that faith comes by hearing and he, hearing through the word of Christ. In Romans uh, 10, 17, that is the gospel. That's what we're talking about here. And that's why here at Servants of Grace, you often see us talking about matters and people that deny the gospel. And this is, this is why we have to be so clear about the gospel. We have to be clear about and grow in our understanding of these words. Propitiation is in the Bible. It's, it's all over Romans. It's all over the scriptures. We only looked at a few verses. But expiation, is the word is not used, but the idea is expressed in the Psalms where, where the psalmist says that he has removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. Let's remember what we're talking about here. Propitiation has to do with the wrath of God being removed from our account because of Christ. Because we have been legally declared forgiven through the blood of Christ. Expiation has to do with the record of our guilt being removed as far as the East is from the West, from the record of God's account because we have been imputed with the righteousness of God in Christ alone. Both ideas are absolutely critical. Without the wrath of God being removed, we could not be forgiven. Without the wrath of God being removed from the sight of God, he would remember our sins. But this is why 1 John 2, 1-2 through tells us that we have an advocate now with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. This is why we have an intercessor before the throne of grace. Because Satan will throw his accusations at us. And we have an advocate before the Father. We have an intercessor before the Father, Jesus Christ, who ever lives to make intercession for us, who ever lives to serve as our advocate before the Father. And that is such good news. What what you, what what you need to do as as we think about this is maybe you maybe you are stuck in guilt and shame. Maybe you struggle with assurance. Well, the truth is if if you have been made alive together with Christ and by grace you have been saved, you belong to Christ. He belongs to you. And that means that what you should do, instead of wallowing in your guilt and shame, which, by the way, many people do, many Christians struggle with this, I understand. Okay, I talk to you, I know. I've, I've heard the stories, I understand. But here's the thing. What you need to do, rather than focusing on your guilt and shame and anything else, is you need to confess. You need to do what 1 John 1, 9 says. Confess your sins to the Lord, and he will cleanse you of all unrighteousness. What you need to do is come out into the light and realize that there is no square inch, as Abraham Kuyper once said, in which God does not say, mine and mine and mine. The problem is, is is oftentimes, in my experience in counseling people struggling with this, is they try to segment their lives. They say, you know what, this part belongs to the Lord, this part belongs to the Lord. Maybe you were even taught that. But there is not one square inch over which, in your life as a Christian, which God does not say mine, because you are his and he is yours, you have been credited with the righteousness of Christ, because of the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus. You have been declared not guilty by the Lord. That means that you are, if, you, if that has happened, you have been transferred, as Paul says in Colossians 1, from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of the Lord Jesus. And that is why what is so dangerous about the idea that, that, that Steve Chuck advanced uh, years ago now that, there is, that this idea of propitiation is cosmic child abuse. No, what's, what's abusive is the kind of teaching that advocates that Jesus dying in our place and for our sin is not what is clearly meant by the word propitiation, which is actually a biblical word, and it is used in the word of God, as we see in Romans and Hebrews and, and Titus, and I mean, I didn't even read all the places that it's used, but you see it throughout the Bible. And now as you see it in the Bible, you're going to understand what it means. And that's only going to help you to enhance your understanding of the word of God. It's only going to, these kind of things will only help you enhance your understanding of, of what scripture is saying and what scripture means by using these terms. And you know what? That's a good thing because theology is meant to help you. It's meant to help you to know uh, to inform your mind, to transform your heart, and to set your feet out uh, into the world in which you've been called, wherever God has placed you, to be a transformed Christian by the renewing of your mind, by informing your mind, by having your heart transformed so that you grow to be more like Christ, and that your feet are set to action as you go out in, in with godly char- growing godly character, with the message of the gospel, making the appeal, as Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, for everyone everywhere to be reconciled to God through the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And that's what we're to do. That's why we need to understand the meaning of these terms. That's why around this year we talk about the meaning of these terms. I I hold back uh, every year some some of these words so that we have time we can dedicate time, about four episodes, to this and because it's important. It's important that we understand what these terms mean because the Bible used them. They're in the Bible, and the church has taught these things. And so we need to stand on the Word of God, and we need to clearly proclaim what Scripture says about propitiation and expiation because it is required for faithful gospel witness in our world, and we need to be so clear about this. We face challenges on this front from multiple angles, but we have a, a God who bore the wrath of God in our place and for our sin, and he has removed it forever in this from his sight. That means that we are forgiven. We are new creations in Christ, as Paul says in Second Corinthians five. And we are being renewed in our mind by the work of the Spirit who indwells us. He is using the word, the means of grace. He is using it as we read, as we study, as we meditate, as we even hear the word taught to us on a podcast like this and especially in our local churches. Well, I hope that this episode has helped you to better understand the meaning of the words propitiation and expiation, so that as you read them in the Bible, you know what they mean, and especially as you go out and engage in evangelism, you'll be able to accurately handle the Word of God on these matters, and to share, yes, that Jesus has bore the full weight, the full fury, and satisfied it forever in the sight of God, and He has removed our sin from his sight forever because of Christ proclaim that message to the glory of God, proclaim it from the rooftops and proclaim it loudly whether on social media on uh in your evangelism one on one with your work with your fellow workers and co-workers and on and on but and preach this message to yourself now I want to thank you for listening or watching this week's episode of the servants of grace theology segment. Until next time, may God bless you and keep you. Thank you for listening to the Servants of Grace podcast today. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe, leave a rating on the app, and share our episode with your friends and family. If you'd like to, you can follow us on Instagram at Servants of Grace, on Twitter at Servants of Grace, or by searching Servants of Grace on Facebook. You can also find this podcast on the front page of our website at servantsofgrace.org.